Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and today I'm going to be discussing whether or not we can consider Mansfield Park an abolitionist novel. So I have talked about Mansfield Park before, um, back when I was doing the deep dives on the novels and talking about the wider themes and a brief summary of the plot. So if you don't know Mansfield Park very well, maybe go and listen to those and then come back. Because the one thing I haven't talked about yet with regards to Mansfield Park is slavery, because I wanted to do it all in one go with the episode that I did last week about the position of people of colour in British society during the Georgian era. So some brief context then for this episode. In Mansfield Park, Sir Thomas Bertram is the man that takes Fanny in, he's her uncle, and brings her to live with them at Mansfield Park. Now, Sir Thomas has plantations in Antigua, in the West Indies, and this is where we get the slavery abolitionist parts of the story, because during the course of the novel, Sir Thomas has to go over to the plantations to sort it out because there are a lot of issues with it. It's starting to lose money and there's generally a sense of chaos around this plantation and it is heavily implied that slavery is the cause of those problems and that's where we see the slavery elements. However, As with most contemporary historical events that Jane puts into her novels, a lot of it is reliant on the readers already knowing the context and knowing what's going on at the time. So a lot of it is inference and it's not particularly explicit. Although, although, Mansfield Park is considered to be Jane's most socially conscious novel because a lot of it is more open to its readers and she does tackle big issues like slavery. Sometimes you do have to read between the lines but we do get some direct contact with some social issues and this is why there is this debate on whether or not Mansfield Park is an abolitionary novel. Unfortunately, we don't have an awful lot to go on in terms of understanding Jane's own personal views about the slave trade and about abolition. As with a lot of her opinions on, well, anything, we're reliant on her letters, mostly to her sister Cassandra, a lot of which have been lost, perhaps on Jane's orders, perhaps not. And she was a very private person, so we don't get a lot of information from her letters on big issues like this. I have scoured them and I can find no mention of slaves, slavery or abolition in any of them. So it's really hard to judge what her own personal feeling was. We do know that at least her brother Francis was of an abolitionary state of mind. He wrote in his journal in 1807 about the issue of slavery and he writes... Slavery, however much it may be modified, is still slavery, and it is much to be regretted that any trace of it should be found to exist in countries dependent on England or colonised by her subjects. So we know at least one Austin was abolitionist, 
but was Jane and is Mansfield Park an abolitionist novel? So let's have a look at both sides of the arguments. I'm going to start with the arguments that it isn't an abolitionist novel and that Jane herself was not abolitionist. So most of the arguments that we have against Jane being abolitionist and against Mansfield Park comes from a man called Edward Said. He famously wrote a huge argument against Jane Austen, calling her pro-slavery and an apologist for colonialism. And a lot of his argument is based around what Jane didn't write in her books. His argument is that she couldn't have been anti-slavery because she doesn't explicitly say it in any of her books. None of her characters stand up and say, I am against slavery. And with regards to Mansfield Park, well, Sir Thomas never really experiences any consequences for his dealings with the slave trade. He experiences some setbacks because of the behaviour of his children, but he doesn't really suffer anything because of his connections there, really. So let's have a look at it. So within Mansfield Park, slavery is only ever actually explicitly referenced once. And it's a conversation between Fanny and Edmund, and it's a second-hand conversation. She's sort of, they're discussing the conversation where it came up after the fact. This is what she says. She says to him, but I do talk to him more than I used. I'm sure I do. Did you not hear me ask him about the slave trade last night? Edmund replies, I did and was in hopes the question would be followed up by others. It would have pleased your uncle to be inquired of farther. And Fanny replies, And I longed to do it, but there was such a dead silence, and while my cousins were sitting by without speaking a word, or seeming at all interested in the subject, I did not like. I thought it would appear as if I wanted to set myself off at their expense by showing curiosity and pleasure in his information, which he must wish his own daughters to feel. So that is our direct mention of slavery within Mansfield Park. Any other references to slavery and to the slave trade are implied because, as I said, Jane Austen is relying on the context of her time and she's relying on her readers to know what's going on and what is implied when she says that Sir Thomas has plantations in Antigua. So from that evidence, it would seem that Saeed has a point. There is no explicit reference to any of the characters being anti-slave trade, and there is nothing explicit saying that slavery is bad. Fanny mentions it, but we're left to infer which way she falls on the slavery issue and the rest of the family as well because of the big silence that occurs after she brings it up. And unless you are a person from the 19th century and know what's going on in the world, or you are a modern-day person who has the context of what was happening at the time that Mansfield Park was written, what had been going on, then you would be forgiven for not realising that Sir Thomas's 
troubles in Antigua are solely based on slavery because of the rulings against the slave trade, as we saw last week in 1807, which meant that British colonists had problems with their slave labour in American colonies and the West Indies, and that the drop in the economic benefits from the plantation is because he's not allowed to have slave workers anymore. So maybe Saeed had a point. However, let's look at the other side of this argument in that anything to do with Georgian society at this time is left to context in Jane Austen's novels. There's no real mentions of any of the wars that are going on, Napoleonic, French Revolution, all that kind of stuff. There's no real mentions of issues around poverty and the lower classes and the class divides within the society. Jane leaves a lot of it up to her readers to decide for themselves. She leaves the responsibility of being abolitionist and against slavery to her readers, letting them take what they want from her novels. And let's not forget either that first and foremost Jane Austen's novels are escapist. They're not about gritty reality and reminding people of all the badness in the world. They are separate from it. It's like a, an alternate universe almost, that is concurrent with the one that she was living in. And she doesn't deal with complex issues because it's fantasy and she doesn't want, and she wants her readers to be able to escape their problems for a few hours while they read her stories. And that's what really makes Mansfield Park stand out over the other stories, because she does explicitly deal with these things. She mentions slavery by name, and she admits that the slave trade exists. And again, this is what leads people to argue that Mansfield Park is her most socially responsible novel. Let's look at Saeed's argument. Can we say that Jane Austen was pro-slavery and apologist for colonialism because she doesn't explicitly mention it in her books. Personally, that's not a conclusion that I can come to, but therein lies the rub. It's a personal thing, because Jane isn't necessarily writing her own opinions. She is writing other people's. She is using her books to let people decide their own opinions. She's letting them explore the issue and take what they want from her novels. Let's take an example of people of colour in Jane's stories. We talked about them in British society last week, but in Jane's books there is no explicit person of colour in her stories other than Georgiana Lamb in The Unfinished Sanditon. However, that doesn't mean that her readers can't take that away from her novels. When she describes her characters, it's generally very vague. She keeps it vague so that people can put in their own ideas. And with some characters, you are able to take away the idea that they might be a person of colour. 
For example, she describes some characters, including Lizzie Bennet, as being of a dark complexion. And this can be read one of two ways. It can be read that this is a person of colour, that they are dark skinned and they are a person of colour. And on the other hand, you could take away that this is just a person who is brunette and has a darker colouring to their complexion than a blonde or a redhead would because if you look at a blonde person next to a brunette person more likely than not the brunette person is going to have darker colouring and a more shall we say ruddy complexion <laughs> than a blonde person who is going to be paler and fairer. So there we can see that Jane Austen is letting her readers decide who her characters are and take away from her novels what they want. If you want Elizabeth to be a woman of colour, then she is. However, I can understand that for some people that just will not be enough. In order to have representation, it needs to be explicit. And that is something I completely understand. Again, it's personal. Only you are able to decide how you feel about something. And that is what Jane is getting at. She is letting her readers have their own individual experience of her works. And whether you think that she is racist or not, whether she is or not, you are doing exactly what she wants you to do and you are coming to your own decision and taking what you want from her stories. And that's really sort of the main argument around whether or not Mansfield Park is an abolitionist novel or not. It is for each person to decide on their own whether the mentions of slavery and the context around it are enough for us to be able to say that the novel is anti-slavery. So one last thing, there is a very interesting argument that people have in defence of Mansfield Park being an abolitionist novel. It does rely again on some context and some inferences, but it's a really interesting argument and I sort of hinted at it last week. I told you that we were going to talk about Dido Bell this time round and I told you to remember a certain judge's name and that was William Murray who made the decision in 1807, essentially abolishing the slave trade within Britain. It didn't completely abolish slavery, but it was a it started the ball rolling. And why that is important is because William Murray had a title. He was an earl, and he was the Earl of Mansfield. And because of Mansfield's anti-slavery stances in 1807, which is before Mansfield Park was written, a lot of scholars like to think that this is a direct reference, that by calling the main place within the story Mansfield Park, Jane is showing us that she supports Mansfield's views on slavery. It is a bit of a stretch, but there's slightly more coincidence than perhaps is excusable as just coincidence. That the one book in which Jane references slavery is Mansfield Park, and one of the main people responsible for the abolition of slavery in Britain was the Earl of Mansfield. 
is quite a big coincidence for it to be accidental. And Dido Bell? Well, Dido Bell, if you don't know, she was, she was born into slavery. Her mother was a slave in the West Indies. Her father was a man called Sir John Lindsay. He was a naval officer. And her father took her to Britain, where he entrusted her to the care of his uncle, who was William Murray, the Earl of Mansfield. And Mansfield raised Bell as a middle-class woman. She was a member of British society. She wasn't treated as a maid or a servant or lower class within the Mansfield household because of the colour of her skin. And again, for some scholars, that proved Jane's desire for the inclusion of people of colour in British society. Can understand that to some people that is a bit of a stretch. I completely get that. It is based on a lot of inference, but at least the naming of Mansfield Park and the inclusion of slavery within the story isn't something to be ignored. It is far too much of a coincidence at least for me. And again, it comes back to that point of each person taking what they want from Jane's novels. So, what conclusions can we come to? Is Mansfield Park an abolitionist novel or not? Well, hopefully you won't think this episode is a waste of time, but I cannot give you a conclusive answer on that. Personally, I think that Mansfield Park does explore the issue of slavery and suggests an anti-slavery lean from the narrator and from the characters and within the scope of the way that Jane writes. I think that it is an abolitionist novel. But at the end of the day, my opinion is just that. It's just my opinion. And the whole point of Jane's novels is that each person who reads them decides for themselves. So I can conclusively say that I think Mansfield Park is an abolitionist novel, but I can't tell you what you think about it. However, you can tell me what you think about it, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Do you think this novel is abolitionist, pro-slavery, or somewhere in the middle? Comment and let me know. I'd love to get a discussion going about this. so much for listening to this episode of the addicted austinite i hope you've enjoyed it if you have please do like and comment etc etc it would make me very very happy i will see you next time for a new episode and until then as ever happy reading your faithful servant author